Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Noise. Did you know Coca-Cola is trying to make their employees less white? This is the next step in the ridiculous political correctness campaign. We then talk about the reasons behind the Supreme Court ruling that allows Trump's tax records to be examined and investigated here in New York. It's the next step in preventing Trump from running for office again. Then we discuss how the CCP's detention of online users who spoke against their rhetoric on the India-China border disputes is actually a reflection of the big tech's actions here in the US as well. That and a little trick I will be showing you later on on how to identify the CCP's tactics right here in the US. So I'm tired of every aspect of America reeking politics, and I'm sure you are too, especially woke politics. It's dangerous, it's brainwashing, and it's unnecessary. In fact, we could do better without food and drink companies making it guilty to consume their products without feeling disgusted by the fake social justice. Now, in the latest series of woke ads, woke fashion, woke sports, woke foods, we have Coca-Cola. Coke says, you gotta become less white. The confronting racism course in question was offered by LinkedIn Education and allegedly utilized by the soft drink Titan. One of the slides allegedly sent from an internal whistleblower and posted on Twitter by YouTube commentator Carlin Borisenko reads, in the US and other Western nations, white people are socialized to feel that they are inherently superior because they're white. Another slide suggests try to be less white with tips including be less oppressive, listen, believe, and break with white solidarity. Borisenko, who describes herself as a supporter of banning critical race theory, says the screenshots were sent to her from an internal whistleblower from Coca-Cola, who told her the course was required. What is the goal here? Can it be physically to make you less white? Probably not. Skin colors are uh, born with it. But it's a warning of social repercussions to you. Either you act like a progressive social justice warrior or you get canceled. But you asked, who said you get to decide my life for me or make the choices for me? Well, welcome to Political Correctness 2021. The course has since been deleted off of a LinkedIn education site, but are they really offering any social changes as a soda company? Well, that's the main question. Probably not. However, Coke wants you to know this. One can at a time, the next time you take a sip of Coca-Cola, you might just become 1% less troubling for the left. Now, Coca-Cola, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2021. We begin today with something of a prediction or I guess a warning of what could happen next, for Trump that is. The Democrats failed to impeach Trump twice, and they also failed the Russia hoax and they failed to remove Trump in general. But they're not giving up. And this is more and more evidence leading to a potential of trying to convict Trump through criminal or civil courts. And this is done through the tax return fiasco. Now let me explain. The Supreme Court ruled that Trump's tax return can be obtained by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance as a part of New York's prosecutor's investigation into his past business dealings. Well, sounds like it's a big deal, right? Like you, I thought that as long as Trump has been doing fair business, it should be fine. And the investigation should end with nothing but another witch hunt, like Trump said in his reply to the ruling. 
But then you suddenly realize that the country has turned into this judicial and the justice system up down into a swamp and into the left-leaning machines. If anything, the rulings on the Texas case way back when should now be an indication as to how exactly the fundamental systems in the United States in regards to the law and the Constitution has now been infiltrated, but more importantly, corrupted. Well, what does this mean? Well, the first point I wanted to make is whether you believe it or not, the very possible next step for the Democrat is to literally charge Trump with jail time in order to prevent him from running again in 2024. Now, given Trump's age, 74 years old right now, turning 75 in June, in four years, he will be 78 years old, will be the same age as Biden taking office right now. And the chance of him running again after his jail time will be 85 plus. At that age, I don't think Trump would run again because he's just too old to run again. On the contrary, Biden is most likely not running for re-election as he will be nearly 80. But Kamala Harris, on the other hand, might be taking over if not soon. Now in this latest attempt, the Democrats are playing with time to stop Trump, of course. Trump can run for office if he faces jail time, but it's the age that matters. At the current age, the chance of him him running after 2024 is quite low. Now, provided we will hear more details about his plan at CPAC this weekend, particularly on Sunday. Now, then there's also the even scarier motives of the left. The investigation into Trump's tax record will not be public, meaning that who knows what they will do behind the scenes in secret. New York Attorney General Letitia James said Monday that the Supreme Court ruling on former President Donald Trump's tax returns will have no effect on her civil probe into Trump's taxes. James added that ruling doesn't change the tenor of our lawsuit and we will continue our investigation and upon completion, we will announce our findings. But all this has done is pretty much indicate that they're doing it on some hidden path, not just for show. The control that they have right now is the entire Washington power and including the Supreme Court, given what we've seen so far. And there's only three conservative justices who are fighting up against it. But that's not enough, right? So that leads me to my second point. Seeing that the top court in the country, the one that represents supposedly the protection of the Constitution and its people, has repeatedly failed to act accordingly to the Constitution. What will the lower courts do instead, seeing that the top court is doing that? This trickle-down effect from top to bottom, and now if the constitutional courts fails to act, what will the district courts think, and how will they handle the more specific, less constitutional, but more evidence-based court battles? Maybe nothing. Which means, we're now at this point seeing the fall of the entire judicial branch from the very top down, all the way down to the district courts, because the core of the system is gone, or it's corrupted. But this indicates a few things. Within the very near future, Biden will most likely do some drastic changes to the American life, including taking away guns. And if not at first, the assault weapons right away, it's going to be then extending into every types of guns, completely banning guns away. If you watch my show, you know where this is gonna be going. 
taking away the power of the people with guns is taking away their rights to speak up. And then you reach totalitarianism. Biden, with his faux liberal caucus backing progressive policies, sooner or later, it's going to be a one-party rule. And then they can do that because they now have the Supreme Court. From these track records on the Supreme Court, do you see how this game was set up unfairly to play, but also the rules changed in the middle of the game? They're now using the Constitution, that very document that was set to protect its people against its people now. And the very system of the Supreme Court is now a weapon to promote far-left agendas. Now, the Supreme Court today has agreed to hear the federal government's appeal of a lower court decision against the Trump-era public charge rule requiring prospective immigrants to be able to support themselves financially, while the Biden administration is considering rescinding the rule, meaning that they want immigrants who don't need to be able to support themselves financially. Now, the public charge principle, that is the idea that immigrants should have to demonstrate they can get by without becoming wards of the government. Now, this has been part of the American experience for centuries. Public charge provisions have been part of the U.S. immigration law since at least 1882. One of the earliest known public charge laws in colonial Massachusetts was enacted in 1645. And by the, the end of the 1600s, many American colonies screened would-be immigrants and required bonds for those believed likely to become publicly charges. But left-wing advocacy groups and organizations attacked the Trump administration for formally defining this concept of public charge, which they considered to be cruel and xenophobic. And it aimed at drastically curtailing the flow of immigrants to the United States. What happens when immigration is allowed to flow like the way Biden wants to, while they cannot physically first, but also financially sustain themselves? Well, they're going to rely on the government aid, which is what the Democrats want. But it just creates not only a burden on the U.S. economy, but also more importantly, it helps the Democrats gain more supporters for their big governments and universal financial support. Because they would gladly take more people who are unwilling or unable to support themselves. They want people who need money from the government, and that's how they gain control. The human desire is obviously to be lazy and to take things for granted. That idea will be amplified. When it comes to what you're protecting in terms of freedom, the second admitment, all of that when it's gone, it's going to be more adjusting or amendments to the Constitution. What happened in Venezuela under Hugo Chavez when he changed the Constitution might take place here in the United States very soon. You may not realize this, but it's actually coming. And once they change the Constitution, who is to say they won't remove the partisanship or bipartisan system? The one-party rule might be the new thing coming up next. And what's after that? Maybe they're going to take off their masks and robes, and voila, it's actually communism. Now, my third point to this is with digital censorship, you kind of realized what took the Chinese Communist Party about maybe 30 years to corrupt the humanity in China can be done now in the U.S. for less than 10 years. The very same tactics, political correctness, gender diversity training, racism branding, and all of it 
is just a different name for the same ways of persecution. In the cases of big tech, their censorship strategy is what the CCP took maybe five to six years to perfect. But now they just take the same strategies and apply it here in the US. In less than half of the time, maybe, but probably even less than that. Now, if you're shocked at how quickly big tech became almost overnight communistic or socialism that sort of stormed the entire country, well, it's actually right here in front of us. Big tech had seen what the controlling schemes that the methods were employed by the CCP, how quickly it established Chinese censorship. They took that and they just take it and apply it here, thinking that they can do this better with their superior technology in their respective field. Now that you realize at the core of this, the idea of communism isn't actually just a name. And it's almost like a mindset or maybe a spiritual side of essence type of thing. But no matter how many times you change the name, whether it's communism or socialism, it's US or China, it's the CCP or maybe the Democrat, in the East, it had manifested itself as the totalitarian one-party ruling communism. And in the West, it's the far-left agenda of the Democrats. Now let's go back to the Trump situation. He has no other choice, right now at least, but to accept the decision from the Supreme Court. Now obviously, he knows that this is a, a, another set of witch hunting, but I think at a certain point, he has to realize the fact that this whole time, the system was rigged against him. Not just on the election issue, of course, but that's what he has been focusing on in terms of uh, trying to get the people to understand, but he needs to also understand the entire system of the United States government is corrupted. And it seems that he trusts the law and order so much, he is willing to go back again, back to the system that has failed him so many times. And I mean, there's to be fair though, there hasn't been an alternative, at least now. Well, back when he was the president, he had the alternatives, but he never used them. But as of now, the only way for him to go through this might sound a little cliche, but it's really thoughts and prayers, probably. <laughs> now, the left is obviously trying to kill Trump's next election chances, but that's not really about him. It's what's behind him. He has helped a lot to, in terms of carrying the potential, but more importantly, back to the tradition. And he has helped to fend off communism. In a way, it's his anti-communist, anti-socialism, but also anti-corruption of the Washington swamp that the left has been really scared of. And getting Trump re-elected is the death of the, of the left, and they would rather have someone of the establishment be in the throne instead of Trump. If they fail to convict Trump in a civil case, uh, at least this time, it will be very hard for the next election to send someone else. At least for the Democrats in their case, they don't stand a chance in my opinion. This is because the Biden administration is actually quite afraid of one thing in 2024, and that is the aftermath of the damage Biden could done in, in these four years. And as much as the left is hiding the regret of voters choosing Biden, you can tell that many are disappointed, even left-leaning people, by the actions for, from Biden so far. And he has yet to provide a real policy change that is different and more beneficial from Trump. And what has he done so far? 
is probably just threatening the livelihoods of the blue collar workers, people that live in the suburbs. And one of the most powerful tool of the left is unfortunately illegal immigrants. Because these illegal immigrants, they don't have speaking power and they're large groups. What they need is an official citizenship. And in return, the left will get allegiance from these illegal immigrants. But they won't ever let these groups rise to the top of the food chain because that defeats the purpose. The goal was never to lift them out of poverty or into a better life. It's not about integrating them into the US society. The goal is to continue to suppress this group even after they become American citizens so that they can work their jobs that the Democrats don't want to work. But the real problem here is these illegal immigrants will take a while before they can be cultivated into Democratic voters. At least they must obtain their citizenship first, which takes more than four years in most cases. However, at this stage, the threats of illegal immigration on the American citizens is a bigger issue. So they're sort of trying to play catch up. Now, suppose we see a drastic increase in the criminal rates due to illegal immigrants or crimes being allowed to happen in the US once illegal immigrants are being placed back into the society, how would that change the hearts of the Democrat voters in this next election? Now, for Republicans, they need to do everything in their power to win 2022 and gain a majority and create enough election policies that cover the election issues that took place in this election. Only then can Trump successfully run again in 2024. There's two conservative groups, Susan B. Anthony List and American Principles Project. They announced on Tuesday in a joint statement that they will start a new election transparency initiative to be led by Ken Cuccinelli, a former deputy secretary of the Department of Homeland Security under the Trump administration. The left is also pushing an act called For the People Act of 2021, which is to institutionalize on a nationwide basis controversial registration and voting procedures that were hastily enacted in six contested states in 2020. And this also a part of what the Democrats are doing in preventing Republicans in the near future in case they lose 2022. Now, the most notable provisions of the HR1 includes nationwide online voter registration with minimal verification requirements, same-day registration, automatic voter registration unless an individual specifically requests not to be registered, legalization of ballot harvesting, and making it illegal to disclose how an individual responded when asked if they're a U.S. citizen when they register to vote. Now, the reason these things are in place is not coincidental. These are policies that the Democrats are trying to do to have themselves a successful 2022 midterm primary election. Our second topic today, I wanted to use uh, something that recently happened on Chinese social media and Chinese society to highlight an emerging issue in the US. Now, with big tech involved, of course, but it's more related to the cancel culture and political correctness. So after the Chinese regime recently revealed the number of casualties from the Sino-Indian border clash that occurred last year, several Chinese netizens were detained for questioning and criticizing the official data. On February 19th, the CCP for the first time disclosed information on Chinese soldier deaths from the border conflict with India, which took place in the Galwan Valley 
in the eastern Ladakh border region in June 2020. Four deaths were mentioned, including battalion commander Chen Hongjun and three soldiers named Chen Xiangguang, Xiao Ciyuan, and Wang Zhuran. Now, the information also disclosed one substantial injury sustained by the regimental commander Chi Fabao. Now, the regime glorified the deaths and made the whole event into a propaganda piece for their military achievement. But the Chinese netizens were skeptical over the official data, and several netizens had recently been arrested for voicing their dissent and expressing opinions that the authorities regarded as insulting and slandering border heroes. An internet influencer surnamed Chu, also online known as La Shbi Xiao Chu, with more than 2.5 million followers on Chinese social media platform Weibo, was detained by local police on February 19th. And he was allegedly charged with picking quarrels and provoking trouble. But also illegal speech that maliciously distorted the truth and slandered border heroes. Now, these are very common charges brought against people who speak against the regime. On February 21st, a netizen surnamed Yang was given a seven-day administrative detention for posting a comment that slandered border heroes on Weibo. Same charge again, according to Beijing's mouthpiece People's Daily, he was charged for picking quarrels and provoking trouble. As well, the next day, a netizen surnamed Tian from Maoming city of southern Guangdong province was placed under criminal detention. He was allegedly accused of insulting and slandering border heroes and delivering remarks against the heroic uh, soldiers in a WeChat group. Now, if you wonder how these people were so quickly found, China uses a real ID registration system, and thus the government pretty much has everyone's information right on their hands. On February 22nd, an internet user surnamed Dai was arrested by cybersecurity police for his remarks against border heroes once again and was given a 13-day administrative detention. According to a report by Russian news agency TASS, at least 45 Chinese soldiers died in the border. Skirmishes with Indian forces in May and June of 2020, the Indian side lost around 20 soldiers. So the story I just told you is how the CCP regime handles dissidents and anyone who speaks against the regime. Now notice the charges brought against these individuals of the internet. It's picking quarrels and provoking trouble, but also illegal speech that maliciously distorted the truth and slandered border heroes. Now there's actually a third common one that they use called conspiring to overthrow the state. So I wanna share with you these, the way that the CCP uses these tactics is actually quite similar to what they use in the United States with big tech and this will help you identify them in the future. So these common charges are used pretty much against anyone who ever spoke against the government. Okay, now let's see how the American version goes. The first one is citing an armed insurrection. The second is promoting racist hate speech. And the third is conspiracy in QAnon movement. Hmm, sounds quite familiar, doesn't it? Citing an armed insurrection sounds a lot like picking quarrels and provoking trouble. Promoting racist hate speech sounds a lot like illegal speech that maliciously distorted the truth and slandered border heroes. And the last one, conspiring to overthrow the state, sounds a lot like QAnon conspiracy movement. 
So now you realize that the same excuses by the CCP is actually used here in the United States as well. It's just a different phrase. And the big tech has been using this for a very long time now. And what is even more interesting is that if you consider these two countries in their respective so-called political correctness, you find that they're actually quite similar. In China, it's easy to identify. Whatever you disagree with the party or what the party says, well, that is incorrect for politics. But in the US, political correctness sort of manifests in the form of social rhetorics. I guess that's what they're called. But both of their end goals is to get you canceled. And now you know how to identify that the next time big tech does something ridiculous, probably just search for the Chinese version of that. And there you go, right out of the CCP's playbook. Thank you for watching tonight's episode. Thanks for your continued support of Beyond Noise. Have a wonderful evening and see you tomorrow.